0: Hello and welcome to the Single Girl's Guide to Life your weekly guide to single life living in your 20s, 30s, and 40s. I'm Chantelle the coach, a single life empowerment coach that helps women to come together and celebrate their single lives. Whether they want to be dating, if they're living on their own, or they're just trying to work out who they are, there is a place online for you to celebrate that singleness, whether that's listening to this podcast, heading into the Single Life Be Like community, or just following on TikTok or Instagram. This podcast every week goes into a topic that might help you navigate that single life of yours. And this week, we are doing something different in the Single Girls Guide to Life episode. If you're watching on YouTube or you're seeing this as a video, then you're gonna be noticing that there is somebody else with me or I'll have let you in. And you might recognise her if you do follow me on Instagram because we shared each other's stuff. And I've been on Rosie's page before for a live. And my guest today is Rosie Leach. She is a self-love and happiness coach. She helps women find their self-worth, their confidence, and she helps women overcome their self-doubt and their anxiety. So we're going to head straight into talking to Rosie about her journey how to cultivate a sense of self-love for yourself, which is particularly important whilst you're single. And it all ties in with the fact that we have a self-love month going on in the Single Life Be Like community. So I wanna welcome Rosie to the Single Girls Guide to Life podcast. Welcome, how are you today?
1: Hello, I'm good, thank you, how are you? Thank you for having me.
0: No, it's fantastic to have you here because we've seen each other for about a year. We were talking about this the other day, weren't we? And we've both just been doing similar things but in very distinctively different ways and I love the messages that you've gone through the process that you've been through so when I was considering who I wanted to bring onto this podcast it was a no-brainer with who I wanted to then go back to and see let's see what we can make happen here and let's see what messages we can bring across to the single girls guys life tribe all the people in the single life community so I want to start a little bit by asking you about your personal journey into self-development and into self-love because we've spoken about this before and we know there's similarities but the audience might not know so much about it so if you want to tell us a little bit about yourself and your journey to this point maybe that would be a great start absolutely
1: so I I would say that growing up I definitely didn't know what self-love was it wasn't a big I guess it has become a lot more popular recently so it makes sense that maybe it was something I wasn't well versed in at all Um, but I'd also say that I didn't really realize I didn't have it if that makes sense it it was never something I thought was going to be the reason or something that was going to change my life in, in the way that it has I grew up with a very kind of picket fence upbringing um with I'm the only child my parents are together um I was very good at school I had Little perfect little life, if you like. But realistically, I struggled with anxiety. I had a lot of issues around my body, and I didn't. I actually hated my face. So I hated my face for years and years. Um, I was told by orthodontists that my face is not straight. I was bullied about it, and it, I really placed everything about my importance and my self worth on what I looked like, but also how well I achieved at school. Those two things kind of became my defining factors. And what it led me to do is to seek this kind of perfect life and to keep that good girl image to do really well, as well as I thought I could. And I put a lot of pressure on myself. But for me, this lack of self-worth really showed itself in the relationships that I had with other people and in the way that I tried to create a tick box life, as I call it. So I was like, right, go to university. I did a psychology degree at a good university get a job, get engaged. I got engaged when I was 19. I wanted to be married by the time I was 20 and I got married when I was 21. And I was stressing about the fact that I was late getting married. Wow. I was like, you're late. You had to be 20 to do this. Come on, you're, you're behind. Um, I wanted to have all my children by the time I was 25. Um, and yeah, so I was ticking my boxes off. We got a nice house, lovely little house in the country yeah brilliant and I then went to getting pregnant and it didn't go to plan um as these things quite often don't so for me who was ticking off my boxes I was like hang on a minute (laughs) why is this not working um so it actually took quite a long time for me to get pregnant about a year the first time um when I got pregnant the first time I actually hadn't had a period for six months it was crazy got pregnant and then had a miscarriage so that also wasn't part of my little tick box plan and it really threw me I have to say it just kind of shattered everything and very quickly I actually got pregnant with my son who is now four and a half well that anxiety being someone who had always struggled with anxiety during the pregnancy it was really really bad to the point where I had a breakdown at the end of my pregnancy with him and I just I didn't leave the house I couldn't there to be around even my husband like the whole thing was just really really messy if i'm honest with you and after i had him life kind of went back to normal a little bit and it just still felt like although i was ticking all these boxes i wasn't very happy and being a mum was the only thing that really brought a lot of joy to me and it that was the only thing i knew that was right everything else felt like on paper this is right but I'm not happy. And why is this? You know, my marriage wasn't particularly happy. My job, I didn't like, I felt like I had no purpose. I felt like I just was quite lost. And I really then clung to that mum identity, which I think a lot of women then end up doing because that's who you become. That's your everything. And it makes sense. But I definitely had this loss of who I was. And it kind of occurred to me that maybe I've never known who I was because I'd always, I've always been a serial relationshiper. Like it's, I, I have been in a relationship since I was 40. The longest I had been single, when I met my ex-husband, spoiler alert, we got divorced, <laughs> um, <laughs> was, was eight weeks, I think, when I met him. Um, wow. So it, it just wasn't, yeah, I, I didn't know how to be my own person. And I realized now it came down to that I needed other people to validate me. And especially how I felt about my physical looks. For me, if I had a a boyfriend or a husband, it meant that somebody found me attractive. So it validated me and that was it, made things okay. So I'd always been in these relationships and I then ended up getting divorced and everything felt like my world fell apart. For the first time I was 26, I wasn't ticking the right box at all. The divorce box was never supposed to be on there and it brought me a huge amount of anxiety because I just thought my god what have I done wrong mm. and you know I did everything I right I was supposed to do so why have I still ended up not happy and feeling like I failed at a marriage and now I definitely don't look back and at my marriage and think of it as a failure but at the time I certainly did and I really grapple with those feelings of well what have I done wrong and what does this mean for me now and the idea of almost restarting at 26 frightened the hell out of me because I was like, I don't know how to be by myself. I've always been someone's girlfriend. I've always been someone's wife. I've always been someone's something. And the idea of being nobody's anything really just threw me. And actually I really quickly moved into another relationship and repeated that same pattern. So in some respects, I didn't learn my lesson at all, but On the other hand, it did trigger something for me. And it's when I finally realized that I didn't have self-worth. And whilst it didn't immediately impact my decisions in a positive way, and I still created a lot of the same patterns and behaviors that I did before, in my mind, it was the turning point when I went, my life is falling apart and maybe it's time in this opportunity, I can just redefine myself. I realized I didn't have a great deal of self-worth. I realized I, I didn't have a great deal of confidence. I realized I didn't really know who I was. I started reading I started learning I started just obsessing about redefining me as the person which felt like a really exciting and scary thing to do Mm. but I really wanted to I really was on board with this idea of I'm a whole person as I am and at that moment I probably didn't fully believe it because my behaviors and actions and like I said I really quickly went into a new relationship but I loved the idea of it and I was like if I can get there this can be amazing if I can understand that I am a whole complete person I don't need to be anybody's anything doesn't mean I don't want to be but removing that need to be something to somebody else and to need that validation from somebody else I was like this will change my life if I can do this and I very quickly also fell pregnant with my daughter and there was something in that as well that made me realize you know what I don't want her to go into her adult life and I feel the same way about my son, but I think particularly as a woman and the yeah. attachment we can sometimes, and the the vulnerability of being a single woman, because I do think it's a vulnerable position to be in, especially post-divorce, because of the way society views singledom. Having her really made me realize that actually, I don't want this for her. Like, I don't want her to have to, to feel she is a half of anything. Like, she's a whole person. The same as my son, but particularly with her, I thought, I need to show her this. And this is how I do it, is I lead by example. Fast forward a few months, a year, a year and a half, and now in the position I'm in, I left that relationship. I realized that actually I didn't need to be in something that wasn't, maybe wasn't right for me, or I just didn't need to be in a relationship, and it was okay to be by myself. So I was actually single, and feeling the best I've ever felt about myself, which if you told me that when I was, 14 I would never have ever believed you the idea that I could actually function by myself would have seemed unfathomable um and now I live alone (laughs) I am divorced and it's not the end of the world in fact it was the start of a whole new life for me and yeah I have learned to embrace who I am and for me as somebody now that I am in a new relationship coming at it from a totally different angle it's amazing what a difference it's made And being comfortable by myself and understanding that I satisfy my own needs and I validate myself has changed not only what I want out of a relationship and the way I view a relationship, but I actually think the way that I show up in a relationship is totally different. I think relationships for me before were always self-serving. And I've really thought about it a lot. And I think actually I was selfish because I needed someone and I wanted someone to make me feel good. And don't get me wrong, I was a good wife and I'm a good girlfriend and I do a lot for other people. But there was always that undertone of I'm doing this because I need this relationship and I need this person to love me. And actually that in itself is inherently selfish. I've done a lot of work on thinking about that. And also that flip side is then you put up with things that aren't good enough because you you think you need this relationship. So... It's been a whole reset and a rejig. And for me, finding my self worth, which has been a really long process and something that I got on board with when I got divorced, but really took, I'd say, a good year to actually start sinking in and for me to start believing those changes that were coming and believing that it was possible for me to feel like a whole, complete person and find out who I truly was. But that has without a doubt changed my life and I think going forward if I'd never had that I would have found myself in that the same position in 10 years 20 years 30 years being okay by myself has changed everything for me like literally everything so in a nutshell that's it
0: (laughs) (laughs) in a nutshell no there's so many interesting bits within that and I think for anyone that's listening there will be people that resonate with some parts of that story and, and not all of them. And we've spoke previously about how similar our paths are. But I, I lack the, the trying to get pregnant or having any children experience. That's very different. And I don't know if I sat there and ever said I would be married by this time. I know I had friends that did that and they didn't work to those timescales. But was there this underlying tone agreed with the whole tick box idea of you need to be doing this and you need to do that to look successful, to be successful and to be treated right and probably in that kind of situation you don't think you're better than anyone else but it feels like right it's okay like i'm okay at the moment but if it goes what's going to happen and you know i I didn't have any specific anxiety around that but i feel it's probably underriding just of a whole i just don't want it to go i don't want to know what's on the other side of that you touched on a whole host of things there how, Um, how did you find being single and what did you do in your single time to really get yourself prepared moving forwards the the most recent time that you've been single where you had that significant shift in you know actually actually learning how to show yourself self-love and to get yourself prepared in the right way as opposed to repeating the pattern again so
1: I take myself out all the time I I am that person you see sat at the cinema dating myself at a restaurant by myself and actually that was something I started doing when I got divorced that was in a relationship I still thought it was really important for me to go out and do those things by myself mm. so I would quite often take myself out and go right I'm going to the cinema by myself tonight because I realized that I enjoy my own company it's never been a question of do I enjoy that it's been a fear of if that's the only option will I enjoy that and I think for me I was like I, I've actually I'm an only child so I'm used to spending time alone and used to occupying myself. I enjoy time alone. But for me, it was always that fear of, but if the option is taken away and I'm left in a position where there is nobody else, there is nobody that texts you necessarily at the end of the day to ask how your day has been. And my mum will tell me, but I do. I'm like, mum, you don't count because you have to care about me. You're my mum, you know, like, how will I cope if I have, if I don't have somebody there and if I don't have that other option, And so it's always been something I found important since I got divorced was to spend time alone. But I think it did change when I was actually single and I thought, do you know what? I can still enjoy this, even though in some respects, it feels like I'm having to do these things alone. I can still enjoy that. Like, it's okay to be in this position. And I think a lot of it was continuing to spend that time alone and really saying to myself, this is okay. Like, this is actually okay. And just, I had to sort of remind myself quite a lot And really break down the stigma of being single, especially after divorce. I did feel a lot of stigma, especially after having two children with two different dads. I did feel a lot of stigma of being divorced, you know, and being single again. And societal ideas of what it means to be a single woman. But I kind of had to say to myself, you know what, I don't believe that. I don't feel that way about being single. There's something sad about being single. There's something that's a failure about being single. So part of it was redefining my view of what single meant. It didn't mean that nobody wanted me or there was something wrong with me. It just meant that I wasn't putting up for shit that didn't serve me anymore. And that's a big difference in the way I was looking at it. I saw it as independence and I saw it as freedom and I saw it as opportunity rather than that I'd lost something. It wasn't that I'd lost this life or this version or the ideas of what I'd wanted. My ideas had just changed. And that was a good thing because do you know what? I was in that relationship for nearly seven years If I'd stayed there for another 20 years, I'd have lost a lot more than what I perceive I've lost now. And I would never have gained all the things that I think being in a a divorce, ending another relationship and being single have given me. Because I think it is that sense of freedom and independence. So I, I did a lot of going out by myself. And I don't mean like I'm not somebody that goes out clubbing, dancing. It's never been my thing. I'm you a granny. You, I'm, you can. You can. And I'm sure people have so much fun. I'm the granny version of being single. I am hot chocolate satin <laughs> sofa. I, I went to a Florence Gibbon book signing by myself because I was like, right. So do those kind of things. Like I I really viewed it as I'm not waiting to do things I'm not waiting to do anything just because I think I need somebody whether it's a friend a boyfriend a family member to go and do it with me I very much lived on this like what am I waiting for in a lot of respects I actually probably did a lot more when I was single because I had I just did it it was like right you know I'm gonna make time I'm gonna do it but the other side of it I think was asking myself the deeper questions of what do I want from a relationship do I want a relationship What am I actually gonna do differently? But also, like I said before, realizing that I can blame situations, I can blame other people. uh, There are a lot of things that happened in all of my previous relationships that are not my fault and there's nothing to do with me, but also realizing I have my own shit to sort out. you know. So being really honest with myself, I did a lot of journaling about actually what kind of relationship do I want for somebody to bring to me? But also how do I wanna be in a relationship? And I realized that actually I needed to redefine my idea of what a relationship was and what a relationship should be in my view, which I think is different for every single person. In my mind, a relationship is something that brings pure value to my life. And I bring value to that person's life. I don't believe that relationships are easy because they're not, but I do think they should be simple. And I do think you should compromise in terms of the practical stuff and yeah there's always going to be things you have to make space for each other but you should never compromise yourself and I believe that and but I think that actually starts with having a strong sense of self which is something I'd never really had. and I think that's why I fell very easily into being somebody's something else because I didn't know what I was to myself so I spent a lot of time redefining who I was and getting clear on who I was and what I wanted and knowing that when I went into something again it wasn't going to be about the need or what this person could satisfy for me whether it's a financial need an emotional need any of those things it was knowing that I could satisfy all those things myself but when I did come to being in a relationship what do I want and how do I want to show up in a relationship what kind of partner do I want to be and that I think became surprisingly important to me more so than just I think it's really easy to go Self-love and single, yet you're looking for the perfect person and so what are you seeking? But actually a big part of it for me has been but I really want to improve myself and be the best version for me, but also that is going to reflect in my parenting, my romantic relationships, my friendships. So whilst it became about what do I want and what do I what am I seeking if I am seeking that and when I decide that I want that, but in the meantime, how do I just focus on being the best version of me? for me and for anything else that happens in the future and I had to just really I asked myself a lot of questions I think it's as cringe and cliche as it sounds you have to find yourself and it's really easy when you're in a relationship to not do that because you kind of don't have to or, or you you do sink into this idea of I'm a half or you know and it's good to be part of a team and I'm all for that but I do think it's important to know who you are and to understand you're a whole person so I did a certain, a huge amount of taking myself out and having fun, but I really balanced that with a huge amount of understanding about myself, about how I'd shown up in previous relationships, about what I was seeking from relationships before and what I didn't want to repeat again and just understanding who I was and actually seeing it as an opportunity to do that. Not as this thing that I'd lost, but what could I gain here? What of myself can I gain? And how can I start really working towards this version of myself that I want to be?
0: I mean, it's fascinating that you've gone into that idea of taking yourself out, which is something that I continue to encourage. And the idea of asking questions, I think to us as coaches seems so normal and common because we're so used to asking others questions, that self inquiry might seem a little bit more straightforward, but it was interesting the part that you said about defining what a relationship is and what what you wanted it to look like and how that's going to look different to everyone else. Because when up until that point, does anyone consider that and i because they don't teach you that in school because it doesn't come up. you get taught about sex education you get taught about the idea of relationships but the idea of what it really means to you and looks like to you is predetermined by a lot of what we see when we're growing up whether mm. that's media wise whether that's family wise all of our friends and, and generally most look, uh, from the outside look the same but actually what really underpins those relationships can be very different and some people are in relationships and shouldn't maybe still be in them based on the outside oh, yeah. you know i've definitely got people i can think of that i'm like why are you still together the way you do and for whatever reason they choose to be and that almost comes back to the idea of you saying you know i could have stayed in that relationship for 20 years and wouldn't have got anything out of the cost of that would have been so much. When in actual Mm -hmm. fact, deciding to leave in your case has allowed you to grow rather than to limit your progress and to limit you finding who you are, it's empowered you. And I think sometimes we're scared to leave because we don't want to not have what we've got, but at what expense is that if we don't take it? So it's, it's interesting that you went down that route and you touched on those things just there
1: well I didn't leave my marriage he made Ah, that decision interesting but I left the relationship afterwards so I think got it I um had that moment where it was I was put in that position and I was like oh my god and so I I feel that fear massively that Mm. it's really hard to leave sometimes and it's funny you were saying whereas we get our ideas of what a relationship should be like the only reason I wanted to get married at 20 is because my mum got married at 20 there was no other reason for it other than that. Yeah, I allowed it to be a massive time pressure and a massive thing on how I made decisions. And so I do think it's interesting asking yourself where you get an idea of what a relationship should be. Shouldn't come from those external sources or just what you've seen, but actually taking five minutes to ask yourself, what do I think a relationship should look like can be really, really powerful. Um, But yeah, so that the first time it was sort of thrust upon me, but then I did have that power to leave the second time. And I think I wouldn't have done it if I didn't have self-love and I didn't, have that understanding of okay, I don't have to do this, but also that pressure of actually it's okay. And I think we spoke about this before and and you brought it up that it's okay to change. It's okay to make changes and change your mind. But how did self-love come into that side of things? I think without it, I wouldn't have made half the decisions I've made since I got divorced, but also since I've been I was single. I think it literally was the driving force of everything. It was me going, and this is something that I use all the time. If it's not a fuck yes, it's a no. And I, it was me deciding I love myself enough to want a fuck yes life. And whether it's, whether it's, do I want this for tea? If it's not a fuck yes, it's a no. Or do I want this relationship? If it's not a fuck yes, it's a no. I use it for every single decision. Because it was, for me, it was going, I love myself or I want to love myself because there have been times where I haven't loved myself or I've found it hard to love myself. But underlying and underpinning it all, knowing that I want to love myself that much, that I know I deserve a fuck yes life, was game-changing. And it it does come down to making that decision. And I think it's, whether it's a decision to leave a relationship, stay in a relationship, to be single, to not be single, to have a job, to leave a job, to pursue something to find a whatever it is a lot of it does come down to you going I'm making a decision that I want more that I deserve more I deserve that fuck yes life or you know fuck yes might not resonate with some people just like I talk a lot about bad bitch energy it doesn't resonate with some people. it does for me you know some people stand in the morning and they say their affirmations of I am enough, I stand in the morning and I go, Rosie, you're a bad bitch. That's how it works. Like you have to find your groove and what works for you. And and the fuck yes thing works for me. It's not a fuck yes, it's a no. It resonates, I love it. But finding simple stuff like that and making the decision that you deserve or you want to love yourself enough to have whatever it is that you're pining for, to even just take the time to sit out and go, what do I want? And being able to ask yourself that question and decide that I can have everything I want. And it's not talking about material things or even about relationship kids, any of those things, but I can feel the way I want to feel. You know, five years ago, I was in the midst of an anxious breakdown right now. But now I'm not. Doesn't mean I don't have anxious days. Doesn't mean I haven't had to struggle through loads of different things. But I knew I didn't want to feel that way anymore. And working on my self-worth has been a huge part of that and understanding that I deserve to feel good. It's I think the more you can place it on feeling as well, rather than trying to attach like, I want this physical thing, I want this physical, like, especially if you're single and you think, oh, I want this relationship. It's like, actually, you know, what what feeling do you want? And how do you give that feeling to yourself? I think was a question I asked myself a lot. If I found myself when I was first single thinking, i got to go back on dating apps. I'm like, what am I actually wanting from this? Do I want to do that? And if I do, fine, great, go ahead and do that. But if I'm craving a certain feeling, how do I give that to myself? So what is it that I'm actually craving? I'm basing it a lot more on feelings rather than thinking, when I have this, I'll be happy. When I have that, I'll be happy. And understanding, I don't think we take enough time to sit and work out what our feelings are. And for me, when you decide to really embark on a self-love journey or feel better about yourself, it's identifying your feelings and sitting with a lot of your feelings, rather than just doing things that maybe we have done before to cope, Like we all have those negative coping mechanisms that maybe when you're single is going on a dating app and having a chat with somebody, or, you know, is putting a picture up. I still, I did that when I was single, putting a picture up on in Instagram because I needed some validation from some people, you know, but instead, if you can take the time out and go, do I want to feel this way? What do I want to feel? What am I chasing here? And being able to give that to yourself and have that frank discussion with yourself, I also just think is really important.
0: You've given some great tips there within starting to shift the questions to start the inquiry. And it does just take that time to sit there. And I don't think it happens overnight either. I think sometimes we think we'll stand in front of the mirror and it's gonna to happen tomorrow and we'll start asking ourselves questions. And I think it's that element of, as you say, finding what works for you because everyone's individual, unique and things different things resonate. And then it's taking the time to make them consistent and make them things that are part of a daily routine and to actually have an effect where you believe them because there's a difference between standing in front of the mirror saying the affirmation and believing the affirmation that goes underneath it. Is there any other tip that you'd want to share with people who want to start looking into their self-love journey and they haven't taken that step before, don't know how, and they're keeping it a bit superficial at the moment? I
1: cannot recommend spending time alone enough I don't think we do that, even if it's five minutes to just be with your own thoughts. I think we avoid we avoid a lot of things, just like I said about feeling your feelings, then asking yourself, okay, am I doing this behavior because I want to or what am I avoiding here or what am I pursuing here? What am I trying to get from that? I think the more you can practice spending time alone and it doesn't actually have to be going out and doing something, but being able to sit with yourself is a really big deal. Mm. I don't think we do it often enough. And actually I would also say mirror work is something people can do all the time. Um, literally two minutes, first thing in the morning, looking yourself in the eye, because if you think about it, going back to say when you are dating, even on the, on the video now, I'm looking in your eyes when I'm talking to you. It's how we bond. It's how we you know connect with other people, but we don't do that to ourselves. Mm. So if you can stand in front of the mirror and connect with yourself, you're going to increase liking you're going to breed familiarity you're going to get to know yourself deeper the eyes in the window to the soul and all that jazz you know like but looking at yourself and connecting with yourself I cannot recommend connection and and actually if you think about it we're told that single can be lonely or you know sad but actually some of the loneliest times I felt have been in relationships but also the, the opportunity for connection with yourself when you're single is something we don't talk about enough. Mm. And whether that is going out, whether that is doing something like mirror work or just spending time to get to know who you are, it's really powerful stuff. And I think it helped to help create anything you can do to create that strong sense of self is going to be really important for any stage of life, single or not. Like it is so, so important. and It's so underrated, but that, mirror work, if you come away and you think I'm going to do one thing, do that. Connect with yourself for one or two minutes every single day, create a bit of bonding, create a bit of connection and it's going to help with understanding, self-worth, confidence, all of those things.
0: Brilliant. That's not ever something I've massively paid attention to and I've never heard someone explain it with the idea of the connection with the eyes and the way you don't look at yourself and you know you might look at yourself and quickly look at what you look like but are you really talking to yourself and looking at yourself? So I'm sure that tip is going to be useful for for people to take away and go forward. You've worked with a number of women, but what do you think the biggest hurdle to get over or most common comes up in terms of moving towards self-love? What do you think holds people back most?
1: Carrying what other people think.
0: Mm. I think we have
1: such a huge <laughs> block and we've put so many blocks in our way because we worry so much about what other people think about us. And I don't think I've ever had a client who doesn't care what people think but also who hasn't seen a massive improvement in their life when they start to let go of worrying what people think about them because I think I stayed in the marriage because I was worried about what people would think if I got divorced Mm. that's a huge life decision to to allow other people's opinions to dictate what I'm doing and just I have noticed every single client I've worked with it's 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 something we're ingrained in. we all want to be liked of course we all want to be liked we're not going out into life just deliberately trying to piss people off or be hated nobody wants that you know like we all it's natural to crave be liked but I think a question I come back to is by doing this or saying yes to this or for this other person or letting this person's opinion dictate what I'm doing. What am I losing of myself? Like, what am I losing here? And what actually am I gaining? If you sit and think about it, what difference does it make if this person doesn't like what I'm doing? We kind of do it by habit. We worry a lot about what people think and we tailor our actions to other people. You might find you're different in front of your, you know, your parents as you are to your friends because you worry what they think about what you're saying you might not swear in front of your parents or that's a silly example but you know what I mean like we do it to such a habitual level that we're not even really thinking about that we're doing it so I think asking yourself the question of why do I care so much what this person thinks how much am I losing of myself if I continue to care what this person thinks about me and like it's good to care to a certain level so we're all decent human beings and we go around you know not acting horrendously but at the end of the day, there's so many decisions that are on a daily basis affected by what other people think. And I do think it's the snowball effect. When you make one decision and you realise that actually that person you're worried about didn't actually care or it didn't make a difference, you then get a little bit more confidence, and you think, oh, well, actually, they don't care about this, and they don't care about that. And then you keep creating that momentum and a stronger sense of self, which then encourages you to do more things, which then makes it easier to not care what people think. Because you're like, I have a strong sense of who I am. Because if I know who I am, then what somebody else thinks of me can't make me question that. I can be self aware enough to understand if somebody brings something to me that maybe is a criticism or a concern, I can be self aware enough to go, Look, is this a me thing or is this actually a them thing? And that's self aware is a huge part of self love. But also creating that strong enough sense of who you are to go, Okay, it's okay, if somebody else thinks that. It doesn't mean it's true. I know me in every different way that they will never know me because I've taken the time to create a relationship with myself. So you don't take that time to create that relationship. You will depend on other people's opinions of you much, much more. You will care much more about what they think and allow that to dictate what you do because that's where you're getting your sense of who you are. That's like me being in a relationship and having such a huge part of my identity being someone's wife or someone's girlfriend. I'm allowing that dependence to then dictate how I feel about myself. And it comes down to not actually knowing who I was and taking that time to know who I was. So I think most people, and it's totally normal struggle with worrying about what people think about them. Of course we care, of course you're gonna care and it's okay to do that, but it's to what level you let it get to and to how you let it affect your life. So taking that time to build a relationship with who you are will make caring about other people's opinions or not caring much, much easier. And it's so important.
0: I think the other thing to add there is that you're not going to be for everyone as well you even if you did try and account for for those opinions, you would never be the right person for everyone if you just go into yeah. real basics of politics, you can't be left wing and right wing at the same time like there's always going to be opposing views of what you should have done or should be doing. and as you say cultivating that sense of who you are and what you believe in. And I know we've both discussed the idea of values before and how knowing your values so truly as a sort of blueprint for then going forth in your life makes it much easier to operate from your own kind of sense there and starting to take everything internal rather than having all the external validation in so many different ways can just make all the difference. So it's a brilliant kind of point to have made there. I want to just start to summarise and and come round a little bit, but there's one thing I want to ask you before we get to right at the end that I can't talk about to the single audience because it it doesn't apply to me, but what is it like to be a single mum and how do you manage that and the challenges that come within that?
1: Um, It's something I never thought I would be. Mm. I had to really readjust my ideas and my plans. I'm a planner. I sit and plan out my whole day from like the minute I wake up to the minute I go to bed. Um, And I plan my life that way as well. And and being a single mom was never part of that plan. So it took me a while to readjust to that and be like, this is what my life is going to look like. Hmm. Um, And I think it's much, it's hard, it's hard to make time for yourself sometimes. Practically, it's hard. You know, you can't, I don't take myself out as much because I have the kids to look after. But actually when they're not with me, it's then top priority for me to do those things. It's top priority in that time. Okay, what can I do that nourishes me? But I think the important thing that is relevant, whether you're a single mom or a mom generally, is we fall into a trap very often when you you come to motherhood that you have to put everybody else above you and you cannot it's selfish or you should feel guilty mum guilt is a massive thing and I think also there's a lot of mums shaming for certain things and we don't help each other out when we judge other people for what they're doing but it's easily done and we've all done it but I think for me I've always had the motivation of actually what do I want to teach my kids to do I would love to be in a position so that In 50 years, I don't have any clients because we teach our kids self-love. So as a generational thing, kids are brought up telling themselves, being taught how to spend time alone, how to validate themselves, how to be their own person, how to not go with trends or follow what everyone else is doing, how to create secure relationships by first creating a relationship with themselves and the importance of that. So for me, it's been practically hard sometimes because you're funding for yourself <laughs> running a house on myself is practically very hard you know I've gone from being married in a joint home to I went had to live home with my parents for a little while and I was pregnant and it was a real roller coaster and now I live on myself and of course there's financial pressures also of being a single parent it's practically very hard to make much more time for yourself but I think I always use this motivation that actually I want my children to grow up knowing that it's okay to prioritize themselves. And for me, self-love is a phrase I heard that I love is not saying me first. It's saying me too. And I want to teach my kids to say me too. And you know that they know, I mean, they're four and one and they know what self-love is like. They know that it's important. They know that as long as they like themselves, that's the important thing. And if somebody's mean to them, often it's because of how they feel about themselves. And I feel privileged that, I can show them how to be a strong independent woman as a single mum, And I can show them that it's okay to do that. You know, I can show them this is how you co-parent. Well, this is how you, if, if sometimes relationships don't work out and that's not a failure. And I think actually mm. I grew up, you know, not through no fault of their own. Nobody in my family got divorced. You know, it was it, great. Fine. That's what worked for them. But then there's, inherent judgment for when things like that happen and I feel actually privileged I can go to my kids I understand how it feels to be in the wrong relationship I understand what it feels like to go through a relationship breakdown so when they're older I have a certain different perspective of okay this is how you deal with these things I can show them what it's like to be respectful in a co-parenting relationship and I I can show them things that are different so I've tried to see it as a opportunity to show my children and to really try and show them on every level that the way you feel about yourself and the way you deal with things and you can be independent it's it's important to be your own person whether you're a mum, whether you're not whether you're in a relationship whether you're not so it's hard sometimes from practical perspectives but I just show them a different side of life and I use my kids as a huge motivation to go okay I have to create a deep sense of who I am and what I want out of life because I have to teach them to do the same thing
0: I love that and I admire you for all of the things you say there because being a teacher I see that element of parenting and I look and I go it's so involved and there's so much commitment so to be doing it through the process that you went through and and for everything that happened to be coming out the other side and going yeah it is hard work but here's how I try and make the best of it and do what I can with what what can be done and this is why I wanted to bring people like yourselves onto the podcast because it's just something I can't talk about but i know that there are singles out there that have children even the idea of like being pregnant on their own and and that idea that time be worrying for them but there are people out there like yourself that have done it got through it and are through the other side of things and doing the best celebrating it even in the best ways that can be done so it's it's great to have heard that a couple of things then as we start to really round up is there anything that you would want to share about self-love single life relationships that you haven't mentioned just because I haven't asked something specific enough yet?
1: Oh, good question. Okay. Um, I would say build a community. I think self-love we think very much of go and do it all by yourself. And I'm actually a big advocate of the whole, I've spent a lot of this conversation going, fulfill your own needs, do all of these things by yourself. So you don't need it from other people. But I also think, a huge part of what I have found really helpful is connecting with people who are of the same mindset and who are doing all the things that help them build their self-worth and their confidence because it's amazing whether it's your social media or the people you physically surround yourself with uh you know for in my case in my family when I started when I became a coach I, my family go, what the hell is this? what's this and it's a lot easier when you have people around you that are thinking in the same way so I made it a mission to you know seek out other women specifically who had been through similar experiences a bit like you spoke about then you know, just having a different slightly different view from someone who is a parent it's good to seek that out if that's what's relevant to your life and there's things that you know that I don't and I know that you don't and that's that's what we want to be seeking constantly so I think it's always building a community and seeking other people who are thinking in a similar way to you or thinking in a way that you would like to think and express those values that are important to you, but also just constantly learning like this has been such a big learning curve for me and I will be learning about self-love until the day I die. I'm never gonna have nailed this it. like it's not something I think that you just a same with relationships just because I'm working on myself in the best way doesn't mean I know everything about yeah, I'm, and I might have an idea of what I want a relationship to be like, but that will continue to change mm. like the more experience I have, so I think just constantly learning and seeking knowledge whether it's listening to a podcast whether it's reading a new book whether it's having a quick google of self-love tips like if you can commit right I'm gonna do five minutes every day to growing myself over a year that's a hell of a lot of time but it starts with those small commitments but I think you have to be willing to seek things out seek out a different perspective so you have to be willing to get out of your comfort zone and to continue to look for things, whether it is seeking a new community, whether it is seeking knowledge in the form of books, podcasts, learning, any of those things, you have to be willing to constantly learn and constantly find new things. And I think sometimes that's really hard. We don't like being out of our comfort zones. Of course we don't, we like to stick to what we know. Um, But if you can commit to doing that in really small, habitual ways, whether it is reading 10 minutes of a book every day, listening to a podcast like you're listening to this, you're looking for that one nugget that is just going to resonate with you and you're going to go, oh, damn, that's a life changer. Like for me, that it is not a fuck, yes, it's a no. Um, another example is I remember I read, a, um, I listened to a podcast once and they were talking about my body as an instrument, not an ornament. Were those moments where I was like, oh, that landed. That's what you're seeking. You you want to find those little nuggets, whether it's on a podcast with you, whether it's, um, you know, Out and you're listening to something you're reading something just a conversation with friends being open to having conversations but again if you're building that community you'll have more of those conversations because you're seeking out people who are on the same page as you and have that same energy and an outlook on life which i think is really important so just keep seeking knowledge like keep learning keep finding out more and and don't think that everyone has it solved because i can sit here as a self-love and happiness coach telling you that I still have to work on my self-love and happiness every day <laughs> you'll sit there and go just because I'm a single empowerment coach doesn't mean I have times where I don't wobble and things worry me or I think about this that and the other like that's not how it works but the key is having as many tools as you can to, to get past that and to learn new things and having the self-awareness to actually use them
0: yeah and I think just from the bookcase behind you and the bookcase I know I've shared with mine before, we know we constantly are reading something. I know we've sh- lost connections. We've both read. Um, I know that that's something that you've had pop up Love on Instagram that, before. Yeah. It's a great book. Um, so, you know, it's definitely the idea that you might learn something at school and you would be prepared for life is incorrect. That's and I to say that as a teacher, we're prepared for particular <laughs> things and they do their best to have PSHE and things like that that get you the basics, but there's so much more to learn the minute you're actually out of school, even out of university. There's the real world and actually dealing with real life events that you cannot predict for someone leaving a marriage, becoming pregnant, breakups, getting back into relationships, living on your own, living back with so many things that no one can teach you until you're doing it. And Mm -hmm. to then seek those people like you say at the time, Hence why I've got the Single Life Be Like community, because I felt that's what single people find more difficult to find, finding single people. That onto kind of the things that I've worked with people with. How is it that people can work with you and find out more from you if they want to follow, keep up with your messages or even actually be coached by you?
1: So I am a big lover of Instagram. I'm, the reels are my thing. I love being able to share a lot of free content on there and i do a lot of interviews with people to try and open up again talking about learning i want to expose you to as many people as possible so that's and and creating that sisterhood and community is important for me so there's a lot of free content i also have some free trainings people can do um there's a facebook group they can join um and i've got some online courses as well but one that's already out and one that's coming out soon so that's exciting Um, but people can obviously work with me on a one-to-one basis too. Um, So I offer private coaching. We do three weeks, eight weeks or 16 weeks. And uh, yeah, whatever you, a lot of it is geared towards what is holding you back, understanding who you are, overcoming everything that's holding you back. There's some healing work in there. People run a mile when you say inner child, but I'm a big fan of it and it really, really works. But my coaching is for people that are ready to do that and have made that decision when they go, I want a fuck yes life. I don't want a mediocre, I don't want an ordinary, I don't want to feel okay. I want to know that it's possible for me to actually love myself and enjoy. Life's not going to be easy, but it's important and it's possible for me to, to feel happier and to feel better. And for me, self-love is at the crux of that. Like I said, it's, it's what helped me. Hugely in terms of conquering anxiety and the troubles and tribulations and different things I've had, Um, but you have to be. For me, you have to come to it with the mindset of I'm ready for this. You know, coaching is not for the faint-hearted. It's not going to be a pretty. You should love the self process. Like, don't get me wrong. There's some of that, and I, I am your cheerleader when it comes to that. But actually, it's for somebody that's ready. And if you're sat there and you think I'm I want more, I want to feel this way. That is such a big part of it. So, go and binge on the free free content and uh, yeah, send me a DM if you want to know more.
0: There you go, everybody. You can head over. It's at Self Love Coaching with Rosie. Is that correct? That is right. That yeah. is correct. Lovely. So you can head over there to follow Rosie and hopefully you've got something taken away from this episode that's a little bit different to normal in terms of loving yourself. Finding a way to start doing that, looking at the real reason behind that and just learning from Rosie's story and, and what she's been through um, and how she's still so positive and happy at the other side of that. When you someone could look and go, my goodness, but that's the whole point. We're all going through all these different things at various times. No one's life is ever going to be idyllic all the time unless it's very mundane and very samey every single day i think there so thank you for listening in everybody go and check that out i'll put the links in bio for you to find out more from rosie about self-love and happiness thank you for coming on the podcast episode today rosie it's been fantastic to have you and uh, i will see you over on instagram myself thank you for having me no worries at all see you later everybody and keep thriving